Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. The 128th edition of the Four Corners podcast starts right now. Black holding high, goes to Darty. Darty and the double team, gives it back to Black with 20 seconds left to play. Goes back to Michael Jordan, jumper from out on the left, good! Rebounded by Weber. Michigan out of timeout. Weber front court, Carolina with foul. He takes the timeout, they're out of timeout. Technical foul, technical foul on Michigan. Ed Corbett says he can run the baseline, hands in the ball. Brown gets it into Williams. Here comes Williams front court. Williams on the drive. Gets it back out to him. Long outside shot. Short rebounded. May. It's over. Carolina has won the national championship. 89-72. And how about them Tar Heels? They are the national champions. Matthews off the mark. And this year, the confetti is going to fall for North Carolina. They're not going to be denied this time. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Four Corners Podcast. We are powered by Carolina Electrical Services. Josh and Anthony back with you guys today. And we got a fun one planned for you guys. Um, as I as I promised at during the end of the regular season, heading into March Madness, and even after the conclusion of the season, I promised Hubert Davis an apology letter. <laughs> That letter. Has, I'm literally shaking. I'm I'm shaking with excitement over here. Yeah, it's it's like it's like a Christmas day for my co-host here. That letter has been written, and today I will deliver my apology letter to the head head basketball coach of Carolina. Mm. We got some closing notes for you guys as well. But before we get to any of that fun stuff, we start every edition of the pod as we always do. With the pod thought of the day, we go to the Zen master, Phil Jackson, the guy who orchestrated or or helped Michael Jordan win six NBA championships, later helped Kobe Bryant win five NBA championships. He's not bad. Regarded as the best NBA coach in the history of professional basketball. Not the best uh, front office man, though. No, he's terrible. So if you're a Hornets fan that's wanting him to help with your hire and you're listening to this podcast... Get some sense about you. You really don't. Um, and and Phil, you know, was a guy who was really big into the the mental aspect of the game before it kind of came what it is now, where every league kind of prioritizes the mental aspect of sports. And Phil one time said, "In basketball, as in life, true joy comes from being fully present in each and every moment, not just when things are going your way. If only." I would have had that advice back in January. Mm. Um, Hindsight's twenty twenty, because there were times after frustrating losses to Miami and Wake Forest, I had some things I had to get off my chest. Miami wasn't as bad. Oh no, no, no! Yeah, Miami leading into Wake Forest. That's right. Yeah, Miami, Miami was pretty bad. 
Duke was the other bad one. Mm. Um, I will say in my research here, I did not, unfortunately, get back to. I did not, unfortunately, get back to, um, to Pittsburgh. Mm. We left that one off the table, but again, I, I feel I feel pretty safe in my assumptions with this. That Pittsburgh was more about just the team in general. So I I feel confident. I feel confident that you have learned from those moments. And it has led you to feel some regret and remorse. And now you have to read this letter in front of everybody. By the way, (laughs) probably the worst possible time, at least from your standpoint. Overall, really good. Love it that we have our most downloads ever. So you've got your biggest audience here, buddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I do. And for those of you who have been faithful listeners to the pod as the Four Corners version, or even back from our days as the Roy's Boys podcast, uh, it got rough in January when when Carolina looked pretty bad on the court, and some things were said that that led me down a rabbit hole that I could not, and I and. To my credit, I'm going to credit myself here. Wow, what a shock that this would somehow turn into you praising yourself. I didn't. For sticking to your guns. I didn't walk back my criticisms. Until today. But I I did acknowledge after they beat Duke and Cameron and after they did what they did at the beginning of the NCAA tournament and heading in all the way to the Final Four and eventually the national championship, that I was wrong. And I, I, I did. Yeah, we know. We all fell out of our seats in that moment. I did uh, in, 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 a, in an effort to I'm not say get back in the good graces with the fan base because that'll just simply never happen. Um, I'm too yeah, opinionated. You've lit, dude, you've lit that bridge on fire way too many times. I'm, I'm way too opinionated in the things <laughs> that, I, that I stand in. But in, in an opinion to show or in an effort to show that I am, I am humble. And that uh, I am willing to allow myself to be knocked down, but get right back up like Rocky. Oh my God! How did this turn into somehow still you getting credit for something? This is supposed to be you apologizing because you jump to conclusions like you always do. I I am going to apologize. Okay, well uh, let's get to that instead of the unbelievable praise that you're somehow giving yourself for staying strong and bouncing back. Come on. This is not what we're here for. We're here for the apology. All right. Here it goes. Dear Hubert Davis, I wish I could start this letter off on a positive note, but I first have to apologize. After back-to-back blowout losses to Miami and Wake Forest, I questioned you. I questioned if you were the right man to lead a program I've devoted my life to since the sixth grade. Yeah, you did. Yeah. I wondered out loud if Carolina and Roy Williams made a mistake in choosing you to be the next caretaker of Carolina basketball over Wes Miller. Ah. And in an effort to show more humility, 
I will not sell myself short on quitting on you and this team during that, that time period. I would like to say that my disbelief came from a place of frustration with multiple blowout losses, but that is just an excuse because Tar Heels never turn their back on Tar Heels. That's not a part of the Carolina family. That is reserved for the brotherhood that lies eight miles down the road. True that. The final month of the season was as much fun as I have had in a long time as a Tar Heel fan. Yeah, it was, yep. The way you got this team to buy in and play for one another, play for the name on the front, not the name on the back, which is what it's all about, was beautiful to watch. Energy, effort, toughness. In the process of making the run to the national title game, you proved a lot of doubters wrong. Including you. Mainly myself. And I am proud to say that I've never been more happy to be wrong. I always believed that Roy Williams was the best man for the job. And now that title belongs to you. Because nobody cares more than you do. I, along with every other Tar Heel around the world, trust you with the future of Carolina basketball, which is very, very bright because of you. Sincerely, Four Corners podcast host, Josh Marlowe. Mm, Couldn't even give the full name. I think this should be a Joshua Dylan Marlowe moment. It's my government name. Mm. That was nice, though. That was nice. That was really nice, by the way. I, I thought you did a tremendous job there, and I think you really meant that. But we've got we've got an issue here. So I went back and listened to some previous editions of the podcast. There are some comments <laughs> that are going to be extremely hard to walk back. And we wanted to play those for you here on this edition of the podcast. Because, as we know, there is nothing that is more fun than when you are wrong. Because <laughs> you are the guy that loves to claim, as LeVar Ball once said, undefeated, never lost. You were wrong on this one, though. So, I wanted to play you a couple clips here. Why, why don't we start out with one? We go we go to post-Duke game. By the way, this is this is after the two games that you referenced in the letter. So, there was doubt later in the year, by the way. I want to point that out, too. This is February 5th. Let's go to this. This is uh, what you had to say after the loss to Duke. That's, that's the only reference point that I'm going to give you here. Go ahead and take a listen to this. I've said what I've said about Hubert Davis. Can't walk it back. I'm not going to walk it back because I I feel like my concerns that I had have been validated and continue to be validated. But this is where his own words have come back to bite him in the butt. You go back to the introductory press conference. North Carolina is going to show up, shoot around, practice, game day. North Carolina is going to be there. Okay, this one, this one's not bad. Okay, I understand. I, I feel like most people probably felt you on this one. 
because that was a game that was extremely frustrating, and that was the one game where I will admit I had some concerns. Not that Carolina made the wrong hire, but that it was going to take a lot longer for these guys to respond to Hubert Davis as the head coach than we had initially thought because it was a it was a relatively lifeless performance. We can all admit that. This was a comment, though, made out of frustration. And this one, eh, this one I think we can choose to forgive you on. I think moving forward, we have to make a motion. Up. We lose to Duke. We record next day. Because the emotion and the adrenaline wait is, running, is running way too high after... You know what, though? A- after those moments where... Because for us, and for many Tar Heel fans, yep. the day builds to whatever time that tip is. Nothing else really in our lives matter. It's insignificant. You it, can we, we Can we make this rule? When they lose. Yes. When they win, we, we, we just got we got to do it the night out. We're too excited. We just got to get, you know, we got to get right into it. When, when you go back to that game, and look, that was their fifth blowout loss of the year. <laughs> it is hard to keep Six. up with at, the, at that point. I think it was uh, yeah, Kentucky, five. Kentucky. Tennessee, Tennessee Kentucky, Miami, Miami, and Wake Forest and then by that Duke, point. So, so, so then Duke five. was your fifth. That was really the first time in those five blowout losses, Hubert Davis, I, I thought, literally got out coached. I thought in the four blowout losses, uh, there's no denying that. I, I mean, thought you come it was out more, with Armando Baycott yeah. and Palaban Caro, like uh, the, the first, the, the first four blowout losses, like yeah, in the Miami Wake Forest games, it was more about that team just simply didn't look ready to play. Mm-hmm. But that's a fifty-fifty coaching issue and a player issue. That was and look, it made sense. You were going against Coach K, who's the greatest college basketball coach of all time. But that one was really eye opening because they never they punched back, and I and I will still believe to this day that if RJ three if, if RJ Davis's three right before halftime had that gone in and that made it a single digit game, I don't think Carolina necessarily wins the game. I don't think. They come back out after halftime. Remember, that game was over at the under-16 in the second half. Yes. Carolina was done, toasted. So that was – that. And remember, at the time, mm-hmm. we were still banking on, not just from the rivalry standpoint, but yep. Carolina had been great at home. They had been great. Hadn't lost. They, they were a night and day different – they were a night and day team from when they played in Chapel Hill and when they played in any other place not named Chapel Hill. And then they gave us that performance – on the biggest stage in college basketball, and we knew then, yeah, that that their NCAA tournament hopes were they weren't on the line like they were after the Pittsburgh loss, but it wasn't clear as day that that team was gonna make the tournament, and they gave us that performance in that moment with the with the his first time in the rivalry, Coach K's last time in the Smith Center. It was frustrating, and I was mad. I uh, I'm not feeling some. A lot of remorse here, though. This is uh... no. I'm I'm still extremely remorseful. Okay. Be- All right, because well, you know what, you know what, that was rather mild mannered. You got okay. more? Oh, I've got, I've got some more. I got, a f- I got, I got, I got, I got at least one more. That's all I'm going to say. You keep this up, there won't be a second hardest working man on the pod. It'll be a solo edition of the show. Okay. Yet I was the guy that went back and listened to these editions of the podcast. Okay. All right. So let's. 
Let's go to let's go to one let's go to a gem here from the Miami game. This is post Miami. This is actually the preview edition of the for the Wake Forest game. And this is when we got into what will be one of the more legendary moments on the podcast where we got into a pretty fiery back and forth as it was described in the description of the episode. <laughs> a fiery back and forth where you were talking about why you thought Hubert Davis should have been having more success in his first season as a head coach and how it reflected on, yes, that's right. Roy Allen Williams hit the hit. Look the at some of the records of Carolina's first year head coaches throughout history. They haven't always been great out of the gate. That's that that's the thing right now. And there is a lot more parody nowadays. Matt Doherty than won there was twenty one straight games his first year at Carolina. Wasn't a first time head coach. It was a second year. He was a first time head coach. He coached at Notre Dame though. He was a first-time head coach at this level, won 21 straight games. So you're out on Hubert Davis. I was out when he hired him. Which means you don't trust Roy. I do think I do think as of today, they made the wrong decision, and that's becoming evident. Mm, I got to admit, this one... This this one stinks. This one this is a tough one to stomach right here. What do you what, what do you got to say on this? I I don't think this one's like the Duke one where you got some explanation here. We it's tough. We've been best friends for fifteen years. Yeah, that sounds about yeah get, about yeah about that time. And I can maybe count on one hand. Yeah, the amount of times where we've been legitimately pissed at each other. That episode was one because I wouldn't say pissed. No, because it was say, it was an argument. I wouldn't say pissed though. I would say it was I I would I would I would go strongly opinionated on a disagreement. It's very rare that we disagree on especially on a lot of stuff with with Tario Sports. It, it usually we're in somewhat similar mindsets. But this one, no, there were legitimate moments where I feel like we both kind of got a little cranked up, and we were we were pushing our side extremely hard on this one. Um, and again, this is one that now I look back on, and clearly, I was right to preach patience because again, you saw with the other coaches in Toriel history that this had happened. You cited. The one guy that had a lot of success. Unfortunately, I think you should have seen it coming at that time that that example was probably not the best example for you to go with because we all know what happened to Coach Doherty after that. I just felt at the time because I was having to defend my stance of – because, look, I've apologized, I've, I've and I've clearly – not walked back, but admitted that I was wrong. I was out. And I had to, I guess, defend the reason and, and prove why. And we had a coach who 
was getting his butt kicked night in, night out by mediocre to average ACC teams at best. Mm-hmm. Um, what we thought at the time, of course, Miami went on to go make the Elite Eight. Wake Forest should have made the field of 68. And yeah, and yeah, yeah. We, we had a coach 20 years ago in his first real season coaching college basketball, as I said in the clip, win 21 straight games, and part of that win streak was a win at Cameron Indoor Stadium. So clearly, I was I was wrong, and the patience, you know, patience does has won out. But also, this is where here here we go, here we go. Hey, I wasn't a hundred percent wrong, ladies and gentlemen. No, it's 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 where my inability as a fan, because I I hold this program to the highest standard of anybody that you're going to hear on an audio platform. Uh, no, this is also just any any fan in general. There is no you legitimately believe that this team should go undefeated and win a national championship not, every year. Not undefeated, n- not win the national championship every year, every every other year. Okay, all right, really. Okay, dialing back expectations. I see. I but see. It, it, I've communicated that I feel that this program should finish top three in the ACC, win twenty to twenty-five games on a regular season basis, year in year out, be a number one two seed in the NCAA tournament, and make the Final Four. Because when you've got the the pedigree that this program has, that's what the expectation should be. And I, at, at the time, because I've asked Jones Angel this, mm-hmm. and I've asked Adam Lucas this in the last month. Yeah, yeah. What they did in March didn't seem feasible until it. Physically, all came together and it actually happened. Still hard to believe, to be to be honest with you. So, like when when we're sitting there watching us get blown out by Miami, yeah, and by Wake Forest, yeah, and we had a coach twenty years ago who, in his first year of the job, went twenty one straight games to go to Cameron and beat Duke and deliver maybe the greatest line in the history of the rivalry. Yeah, yeah, I was wrong, but at that moment, I was convicted in my beliefs. Yep, and you were a convicted moron because that's eventually what ended up happening. And again, what did I tell you in that clip that you heard right there? Who also was a first-time head coach that was not a lead assistant? Roy Williams. How did that work out? Very similarly. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take my victory lap on that. Actually, if I'm not mistaken, did. Hubert not go deeper in the tournament his first season. Yeah, Roy Williams, well, his first team couldn't make the NCAA tournament. That is, that's, that, okay, that's, that's fair. That is fair. His second team made the national title game. Well, let the comparisons begin. Ah, let's go, let's go to another clip. We do have another one. It's from that same episode. (laughs) And you had a little bit harsher criticism because I had to just go directly at you with you not trusting the guy that we had trusted for years, the guy that we had trusted since we had become friends, the guy that we had trusted since we were tykes. And you couldn't believe in that man's choice to hire Hubert Davis. Oh, this pains me. Play the audio. You can't be out on him this early. And if you are, 
then you're really pointing the finger at Roy Williams. And honestly, you're basically saying that Roy had no idea what he was talking about. Well, look, Dean, look, Dean Smith made a wrong decision. Roy Williams is very capable of making the wrong decision. But remember well. with Dean, Dean made the decision to go with Matt Doherty because he tried other options and they didn't work. Still made the wrong decision. Who was he going to get that would have been better you, you than You still made the wrong decision. It doesn't matter, though. You had to go down the line. This was Roy Williams' first choice, is what I'm saying. Dean Smith, and, and that I, was not his first choice. I, his I, first choice was Roy Williams. I know that better than anybody else. But the same the same thing I told you when he was hired has come to fruition. You're taking a guy who was a nine-year assistant. Nine. Not even a overly tenured assistant. And you're giving him the best job in the sport. There are many Roy Williamses that go from a JV coach and a bottom tier assistant to Kansas, and it goes smoothly. Well, that's fine. But you're saying that Roy didn't know what he was talking about. As of today, as of today, he was wrong. But I thought he was wrong when he made when that was the decision. I'm just gonna say this, you sob. How could you? And I told you at the time, I told you. That's the you one that hurts the most. had to trust them. That's the one that. And you couldn't do it. That ultimately hurts the most. Because Roy Williams has had more of an influence, more of an impact on my life. Yeah. Than any other man that isn't my father. Yeah. Um, I have read his book north of 20 times. I was a frequent listener to his radio show a frequent viewer of his television show, tuned in for pre- and post-game shows just to hear that man talk. Mm-hmm. I still listen to him every time he talks. And in January? Mm. And, you know, we had these discussions during the season as well where it was, and a lot of my frustration was that for my entire Tar Heel fandom, when we would have those instances happen, because they still happen under Roy Williams, there was that trusting factor that he's going to figure it out because there's a track record that he's going to figure it out, and we didn't have that with Hubert. Where and, was that trust? And so it was. A we lot went of, to war on social media for this man many times when people said, "You know what? It's time to get him to go." And and we, how many nights did we spend? That's right. We were supposed to be writing or potting, but we were on Twitter as the Roy Williams Avengers taking these people on. Come on, man. The most beautiful thing about Carolina's tournament run wasn't that they made the national title game. It wasn't that they came three minutes with them winning a national championship and putting a banner up. It wasn't even the fact that they beat Duke and their way to accomplish all of those great things. All of those were pretty sweet, though. The The best part about watching that team do what they did for three weekends mm-hmm. was seeing Roy Williams in the stands. Yep. Yep. Agree 100%. With the biggest smile on his face. Knowing that deep down it killed him. Because he wanted to be the guy on the bench leading them to all those great moments and all those great memories. But he was unselfish enough to realize he was no longer 
the right man for the job. And watching Hubert Davis validate that, because that was the hardest thing you and I both had from that retirement press conference, was hearing that man not beat himself up for not winning enough, not winning enough national championships, but hearing that man admit out loud that he was no longer the right man for a job, that from the moment he became Dean Smith's part-time assistant, he was being groomed to be the head coach of Carolina basketball. That was what was most beautiful about all of that. Because Dean Smith didn't get to watch Roy Williams validate everything. He got to be there in 05. Wasn't there in 09. But Roy Williams was there as Schubert Davis validated everything that Roy Williams told us when he retired and when Hubert Davis got hired. And it, and he'll be there, he'll be there for this run, too. That's gonna happen this season. All right, so those those are pretty bad, right? We're done, right? Mm-mm. Oh no, oh no. There is one last clip that I think just takes the cake. So what have we been talking about here on on, on this on this pod? Hubert Davis. You feeling regret? Why are you feeling that regret? By the way, buddy, what 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 happened again? One more, just one more time. Kind of walk us through what exactly happened from March fifth on. If you could, if you could just give us a summarization, like with the team or with my feelings towards Roy. No, Williams? no, no. You with the team? With the team? All oh, the team? Yes. March fifth on, won a game at Duke. Yep. Won a game in the ACC tournament. That's right. Beat a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. There you go. Beat UCLA, who was better than a four seed in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Beat Duke in the Final Four. Yeah, yeah. And was a Armando Baycott rolled ankle away from maybe winning a national championship. So you would say you would count this season as a, quote, win for the Tar Heel basketball program and for Hubert Davis, right? No doubt. Well, let's go back to that post-Miami pre-Wake Forest (laughs) game edition of the podcast where you said this about the first year under Hubert Davis and how Bubba Cunningham should be feeling about his choice to hire Hubert Davis. Hit this gem. You feel like at this point, there is no win-win. There is no way that Hubert Davis can win this. This season is a lost season. Oh and yes. At yes. This, at this point, you would put him out at Carolina, and you're going and getting your, another head coach. You're not. They're not going to get rid of him after one year. But as of, nor should they. As of today, if if there are not inner thoughts in the back of Bubba Cunningham's mind that we made the wrong hire, then he's lying to himself. Man, I got to tell you, this one had me rolling. This was, yeah, this was about as bad of a take as we, as as any of us on this podcast have had in the time we've been doing the podcast. Not the Four Corners podcast. The Four Corners combined with the Roy's Boys podcast. And this also includes some of our bold predictions, which, by the way, didn't you say Kerwin before the season was going to, like, lead the country in three-point shooting or something? But this one is just, I mean, it's just historic. I How do you even explain this, Jeff? <laughs> I don't really know where you go from this one. I mean, 
I got to tell you, before we recorded this edition, I said I said to one of our guys who we've had on this podcast before, and who, who is a P1 for us, he listens every time. I said, Colin Conhock. I said, come in here and listen to this gem. We replayed this about three or four times because we couldn't believe this was real audio. What do you have on this? I, I don't know what to say. There's really... As, as much as I had to say in those moments, there's nothing really to, to honker back to and, and, and say now other than the fact I was wrong. I was really, really wrong. Oh, my God. I'm, dude, I'm going to save that and play that on loop. And oh it's, um, I've, I've never been more happy to be, to be more wrong mm-hmm. um, because... Look, Hubert Davis wasn't my first choice. I made that known from the time that Roy Williams retired while we covered the coaching search up until uh, up until Hubert Davis was hired. But it's not about... As much as I make some things about me, this program isn't... It's not about... It's not about one person. That's the one thing I always get back to when I talk about what makes this program so special. And and Hubert Davis is the guy that gets that the best. But it was it was rough. And part of that is, you know, I think Bubba Cunningham does need, does need to feel pressure as an AD because maybe he was getting relaxed with hiring Mac Brown, who Whoa, okay, whoa. Who has done some nice things but hasn't done enough with the baseball program that's done some nice things that hasn't done enough. And okay, then this was the most important hire he was ever going to make. His his legacy depends on the future of Hubert Davis, and there there shouldn't be that much pressure on him now. He nailed in, he, in coordination with Roy. He he he, he nailed this. One. He he. At, it feels like they they've got it right. Yes. Um, Hubert Davis wasn't going to get fired in a quickly manner unless things went really really south, like it did for Matt Doherty, which I didn't think was ever going to happen anyway. By, by the by the way, we got to keep it down. <laughs> Coach and I, he is he is in the building today. By the way, we picked the wrong day to record this podcast. Coach and I are on a first name basis. It's all good Let's in see, the hood. He's not, he's not in here, is he? Not? But um, I, I I don't see how any Tar Heel fan doesn't love where this program is at currently and the future because recruiting is where we want it to be. Hmm. Um, going with the class we're bringing in this year, the the class he's bringing in, you know, putting together for for next year, the interest is kind of back at an all time high. Um, and Jones Angel told me this the, the last time in the last session of the show. This this run made Tar Heel fans re fall in love with what makes Carolina basketball what it is and why we're so passionate about it because. Look, yes, it was yes, it was COVID that played a part in that because we weren't as connected to them. But also, if we're being quite frank, we weren't winning. Yeah, the year before was wasn't quite all that fun either, unfortunately. And so now we now we remember what it's like to win those big games because I love I love big games. I love watching them play. As much nervous as I get about them, as much anxiety as I get, mm-hmm. I love that feeling of watching watching our kids perform on the biggest stage. And Hubert Davis 
welcomes that as much as any coach, as much as Roy Williams did, as much as any coach in college basketball currently does. He, he'll, he'll never publicly say it because he's too humble of a man. That man loved the spotlight of his team in the NCAA tournament. He loved the attention his team was getting, which is a which is a really good thing. Well, the he, key to the, the key of it is is he loved it for his team. He embraced the pressure. This. It wasn't, hey, look at me. It was, look at these guys on the court. Look at this program and what is going on. And that's what you want in a head coach. That was what we were hoping we were getting in Hubert Davis. Now, we thought it would take a little bit more time to see that play out on a Final Four stage when little did we know when we were at this point in the season or even later in the year, when we were sitting there after that Pittsburgh game saying, how is this team getting into the NCAA tournament? Little did we know the, this we, we were going to be this secure with the hire, with the direction of the program, everything that you're saying right there. If you ask me, Josh, what what turns you around on Huber Davis? What turns you on to Huber Davis? The, the easy answer is going to say the winning, the win at Duke, the the wins in the NCAA tournament, being as close as we were to winning a national championship. That's the easy answer. The truth is this: it was getting the this 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 cast of players, this past year's team to look like a Carolina basketball team because that's been our biggest issue for the last three years was that we saw a team on the court that didn't that didn't reflect the values of Carolina basketball, which for 60 years was play hard, play smart, play together. Now it's still play hard, play smart, play together, but it's also energy, effort, and toughness. Seeing, and it was really with the Iron Five, Watching those kids play for one another and in the process playing for the name on the front of that uniform and understanding that it's a privilege to play here. While changing the narrative for the name on the back of the uniform for a, a good amount of those guys. That That's what really, that's what got it to click. And, and maybe it wouldn't have happened as quickly had they still lost, had they lost to to Baylor or UCLA or, or whatever. But even at that point, my feelings have of him had changed because I, I saw a team that I could identify with, a team that I could connect with. And that's that's all we want as fans is to be able to eat, connect, you know, whether it's with the physical emotion or for us it's just it's just pure emotion because we're we're not we're not, gonna, we're not in the stands night in night out we're never going to be in the stands night in out but have that love and that feel for for what makes carolina basketball so much fun and you know look i said some things yeah that i that i can't walk back no and you can't no i i i was wrong um and i've never been proud to be more wrong but with that there's pressure. Oh my God! So, when we are you are you are you serious? Right I'm now? just saying when we're getting ready for the 2022-23 season, you couldn't have waited till a different edition of the podcast. No, look, I, oh my God! No, let me this finish. Is still, I was right. Oh. There, there's going to be pressure because you and I have both labeled next season, for better or worse, as of right now, today on paper, national title. 
Or bust. Okay, but if they fall short of that... Let me finish. I need you to tell me that this is not going to be... I have questions no. still about Hubert Davis. If you'll let me finish. So, we're entering next year with that mindset. It's it, For the better or worse, as of right now, barring injury, health, whatever, it's national title or bust. Yep. The man on the bench embraces that pressure mm-hmm. because... As they say in sports, pressure is a privilege. He knows how important it is to sit in that chair as the head coach. He knows the spotlight that he's he's helping bring awareness to to get minority coaches more of an opportunity to coach college uh, college basketball. He understands the importance of being the caretaker of this program. He embraces it. He welcomes it. And as he showed us the last month and a half or so of the season. He's more than up for the challenge, and they're going to be ready to go. They're, they're, yeah, they're going, they're, they're going to be ready to go. It is, it is March, no, May 12th. It's not March 12th of 2023. I can't wait for that day. It's May 12th. And I know as much as every other Tar Heel fan knows that team, that the, the, the core four that's back from the Iron Five. If they could go tee it up right now and play, they're ready because they know how close they were to achieving their ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. And now they know what it's going to take to finish the job. And oh, to- this is this is a 38 to 40 game mission. Yeah. Yep. I, and, I'm 100% with you. And I, I, and I am so glad the captain of that ship, the guy that's going to lead them into battle, who's going who's gonna to be the, the Jon Snow of of this this war. Oh, I like that reference. Who's going to be the Tony Stark of this war? I'm glad that guy. Wait. Is that the guy that we're picking out as the leader of the Avengers? Well, he's my favorite Avenger. Okay, we can't we can't get into this. He's, this could be a whole this could be a whole another edition of the podcast which could involve one of us having to write an apology letter. Let's save that for a different time. I'm I'm glad that guy that's going to take Carolina on that 38 to 40 game journey, that mission to to win a national championship, I'm more than I'm more than thankful that man is Hubert Davis. So it, you know what you know what he says. It's live action. Yeah. With that, guys, we're gonna take a very quick break. We're gonna get you this week's ad from DraftKings. And then when we come back, we'll shut down this edition of the show with some closing notes. As if the McCrispy couldn't get any better. Bacon and Ranch just entered the chat. The Bacon Ranch McCrispy. Available at participating McDonald's for a limited time. The NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Looking to turn a small bet into a big day, a big payday during the NBA playoffs with DraftKings same game parlays? You can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more, and boom, you have a shot at an even bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place a same game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet. Back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPNXX. 
bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. Really hope you guys are taking advantage of all these great offers I've been giving you on the Four Corners side of things. Same for Anthony there on the Heel Tough blog podcast as well. As I mentioned, we do have a few closing notes for today's edition, and uh, one of them does involve former Tar Heel Brady Manick, who did not get invited to the NBA Combine, but he did get invited to the NBA G League camp, which does allow him to work out in front of NBA personnel, kind of go through a, a a smaller version of the NBA Combine. And if he performs well enough, because this one is before the NBA Combine, he can then in turn earn an invite to the NBA Combine later this month as the NBA draft process will start heating up here shortly. And um, I've, I've seen some various NBA guys, you know, who that's uh, – who, that's what they do for a living is, is they, they get ready for the NBA draft, think that even if he doesn't get to the, the combine and if he doesn't get drafted because they there's only two rounds in the NBA draft, they do think there is a role for Brady Manick in the NBA despite his defensive liabilities at time because, as we saw the last month and a half of the season, um, he's a big man that can pour it in from deep, and um, he really did improve as a defender throughout the season and play with a level of toughness that – uh, the the other four starters on on uh, of the Iron Five really embraced as the season moved along. So he'll be competing in that. And I I would bet he'll be on a summer league roster, at least somewhere. He's going to be a Golden State Warrior. I mean, he shoots the ball too too well to not get an opportunity. He's got a quick enough release. I, I think yeah, clearly the thing that holds him back the most is defensively. But yeah, I mean, I think I think he'll he'll at least get a shot, and I would be shocked if he is not at least on a G League team next year. Yeah, um, and then the second note isn't about a current Tar Heel, but he may be a Tar Heel in the future. Hmm. Baylor transfer Matthew Mayer, who, as we know, is in the portal, mm-hmm. but is also going through the NBA draft process. He did receive an invite to the combine, and the reason why I put him in here for that is he has until June 1st to withdraw his name um, from the NBA draft process. So Carolina is still actively and heavily recruiting him. They have, for all intents and purposes, from a staff perspective, put all of their eggs in his basket. Um, Terrence Shannon, who is still believed to be committed to Illinois, has not backed down from that commitment and most likely will not. So Mayor is the guy that Carolina is going after heavily right now. And all I'm saying is that it could be a lengthy time before Carolina does fill that scholarship void because I do feel like him being in the combine, he's going to go through the process, get as much information back as he can get on his NBA draft standing. But Carolina's recruiting him heavily. You've got Tar Heel fans recruiting him heavily. A chef has offer, has, has already reached out. I saw, I saw with, that. With, with, with an NIL deal. And a, a, a musician who I would believe would be Eric Church is getting involved with trying to get him 
to come play basketball at the mm. University of North Carolina in Chapel Hill. Of course, Armando Baycott still out there doing what he does as the best recruiter as a current student athlete, maybe in college athletics. Yeah, I mean, look, he landed his football commit. Now he's back focused on trying to get other people to come and join the basketball program. Um, and so, look, that's that's going to be a big thing for us to monitor because if, if Carolina can put him back in, he would fill a lot of the void that Brady Manick is leaving behind, and it would allow Carolina to be a little bit deeper next season, which they're going to have to be if they do want to cut down the nets in Houston in, 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 in April of 2023. So... Um, those are only notes for today's show. So M- NBA Combine, by the way, starts Monday, this coming Monday, the 16th, and goes through the 22nd. So there is time after that yeah. to make your decision. It's not one that's right up against that decision deadline. Um, so with that, this is going to wrap up this edition of the show. But before we let you go, we do encourage you guys to get over to the website, HealToughBlog.com, where even though both football and basketball are in their off-season modes right now, we are keeping you up to date with the latest news and nuggets coming out on both programs, whether that be recruiting, transfer portal, NBA draft, NFL draft, whatever. We have, we have all you covered on the football and basketball fronts at HeelToughBlog.com. And last week, we do encourage you guys to subscribe to the podcast. You can find us on every major podcasting platform. Just simply search the Four Corners Podcast and we will pop up. You can rate and review the podcast right there. But most importantly, we do encourage you guys, hit that subscribe button. That way you don't miss any editions of the show throughout the remainder of the off season. What is going to wrap up this edition of the podcast? I do want to thank Anthony for hosting with me. want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. The Four Corners Podcast is a proud member of the Basketball Podcast Network. Follow us on Twitter at HoopsPodNet or visit our website, www.thebasketballpodcastnetwork.com, to find the best basketball podcast.